0: two girls from the suburbs going to the city to have a good time
1: do you really believe there's a creature? Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you haven't planned to what began as a birthday party ends as a nightmare <laughs> just what did happen <laughs> Dr. Collingwood lived there you sure we're not gonna put you folks to any trouble no nonsense our home is yours his wife lived there
2: i've always dreamed of a man who could take me easily
0: so did their daughter marie they all lived there i spit on your grave
3: Hello everyone and welcome to the Ghost Podcast, or as it's more modestly named, the greatest podcast ever. I'm Vinny and I'm once again your host for this evening and I'm joined by the two usual suspects, that is Mork and Sebek. But I'm also joined by our special guest that I'm delighted to welcome here, Saru, who you may or may not know from the popular Red-Handed podcast. How are all of you?
1: Hello, hello everyone. I'm how good. I'm good. Good. How are you guys?
0: Yeah, I'm all right. It was quite funny. I literally just said this to Michael and Vinny, but Vinny told a story last episode about how he realized he had this horrible realization that his colleagues had found out about goats and had yeah. seen it. And then I was like laughing along and then I was like, but I've just got one of my colleagues on the show. Like, why would yeah. you do that yourself? The anxiety is unbearable, <laughs> but we're here and it's going to be fine.
1: Exactly. We're here. It's all going to be fine. I'm excited. Thanks for having me on.
0: That's right. Michael, are you doing better? You were a little bit ill. Yeah, I was a bit ill
2: earlier. Um, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just not going to let that hold me down because I can't miss up the opportunity for this episode. So, and... We're talking about one of my favorite things ever. Hell yeah!
0: And I did offer to blow Lemsip up your bum, but you didn't reply.
2: Yeah, I didn't fancy that actually. To be honest, that was not that was not going to help me. <laughs> funny,
3: that, <laughs> it funny, might have that. funny that. We never
0: know, <laughs> you You got to try anything in this situation. Anyway, Finny, after you.
3: We may be in the depths of February, where it's more or less the complete opposite time of year for some spooky Halloween fun. But that certainly won't stop us today. (laughs) Some of the earliest films, the dawn of cinema, were horror films. Not that they were actually called horror films at the time, they were actually referred to as mystery films. But despite that, the act of going to the cinema to get frightened has been a pastime for millions of people throughout the past hundred odd years. From the German expressionist films of the 1920s, all the way to our modern landscape, where the genre, unfortunately, has been seen as a bit of a joke, relegated to super cheap films that litter the Netflix home screen. Although, thankfully, the past few years, we've seen a bit of a renaissance for horror. Films like It Follows or Midsummer, which are redefining what it means to be a spooky flick. And as you may or may not know, I am a huge horror film nerd. So I've... Called upon my friends and special guests Saru from the popular podcast Red Handers, trademark <laughs> to help me figure out what is the greatest horror movie of all
2: time. Uh, Mork, did you say you wanted to go first? Yeah, I thought I'd go first just while my energy's high, and then if I feel like I'm going to die later, I'll just I'll just quietly die in the corner.
1: <laughs>
2: right, but yeah, I'll go first. So horror movies, especially the classics. Are a real passion of mine, like Vinny's. And there are many different subgenres of horror. You've got your classic monster movies, Dracula's, Frankenstein's, dating back all the way into like the 1930s. You've found footage films like the Blair Witch Project, and you've also got your ghostly films or like possession films like Paranormal Activity or Insidious. But in my mind, there's one particular genre which stands out above all others, and that is the well-established and downright awesome slasher genre, with films like Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. These films always feature like a main bad guy who's easily recognisable and iconic, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, the Leprechaun guy from Leprechaun, just to name a few. <laughs> I can't actually remember what the Leprechaun guy's called. I don't think he's got a name. I think he's just called Leprechaun, isn't he? Never watched. I've it. never
0: seen the Leprechaun franchise. Are they worth watching?
2: Uh, well, they're not. They're not horror films. Like they're not scary, but they are pretty funny. Leprechaun goes to Dahoud is a pretty good movie to be fair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Critically acclaimed.
2: Yeah, I would watch them if you like. If you like slash movies, I would watch them. Now. If there's almost one thing that all horror movies have in common as well, or at least all the good ones, that's a certain low-budget B-movie charm where quality of filmmaking outweighs money spent massively. And the pick that I've chosen as the GOAT is certainly low-budget, but it boasts one of horror's most iconic villains of all time and was absolutely the most important movie in the slasher genre. So, of course, I'm talking about John Carpenter's 1978 masterpiece, the original Halloween. Hell yeah. Now, there were a couple of slasher movies that came before Halloween. um, Black Christmas, and another one which I've forgotten the name of. But Halloween... 1978, this really propelled the genre and was instrumental in the success of later movies that I've already mentioned. John Carpenter was a relatively unknown filmmaker. Um, I think he'd only made one film at the time. And so he was awarded an absolutely minuscule budget of $300,000 and only four (laughs) weeks to film the entire movie. Oh, wow. 20 days, yeah, which is like no money whatsoever, and no time whatsoever.
0: The trouble with films, though, is any time you talk about some tiny budget, it still sounds like such an absurdly large amount of money. Oh, yeah, yeah.
3: Like, yeah. It's
0: really difficult. Like, when someone's like, oh, the the Blair Witch only actually costs £30,000. You're like, I could put a deposit on a house for that. <laughs> yeah, like, what, what, I you, know, you yeah. You've got a camera, some of your mates running around. Like, what, where's all this money going?
3: I think it goes <laughs> to show just how much of a miracle it is that any film is made ever, because there's so many moving parts... Yeah, it's
0: so much money
2: like, gets involved.
0: But at least with a, like... I do feel, like, the pressure of, like... Do, do you know the, the new Black Adam film cost, like, half a billion? Yeah. And it just completely oh. flopped. Yeah. Oh, like, God. can you imagine having that much money resting on, like, a terrible film? <laughs> and you know it's terrible, and everyone else knows it's terrible, and it's just going to come out, and you yeah. have to just sit there and watch half a billion dollars.
1: I'm convinced these people are just using it to embezzle money though like i'm convinced that's what's happening yeah like i don't think they care directors are psychopaths and the studio's like whatever we've got so much money no one's even going (laughs) to the cinema anymore and the other people are embezzling it for sure yeah that's what's going on half a billion what
0: (laughs) (laughs) and it was shit it was really bad I
1: mean, I believe you when you say like the pressure of a film to succeed or this amount of money. I'm like, Seb, have you seen the latest crop of films, especially horror films that have come out? Like they, these people don't care. I'm like, how can you have spent so much money and made such a terrible story? (laughs) Like, how could that be possible? How? It must
0: be How? a money. La- it's a money laundering scheme. There's no other way. Oh, for sure. We it should. We be. should write that as a headline. Black Adam was a was a money laundering <laughs> scheme, Adam <laughs> the Rock is just a dirty cheat.
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> he looks the type. To be fair, I reckon he i reckon he oh, he's is it's that nice knob. guy attitude isn't it there's something there's something going there on on the
0: surface he flew too close to the sun he's done like a tom cruise where he was like super charismatic and charming for a bit <laughs> and now people have really turned on him and yeah. like people fucking despise him now he's just a bit boring anyway sorry i'm rambling <laughs>
2: that's all right well unlike black adam John Carpenter does care because, like I said, he was only awarded $300,000, which is, a, is, you know, it's a quite a lot of money. It's enough to buy a house, but it's not really enough to make a film when you have to pay actors, buy camera equipment, rent, studio space, whatever you need. So he managed to band together a relatively unknown cast, which really only included one proper star, and that was Donald Pleasance. And he actually signed up to the film and was only paid 30 grand to do the film. Which is quite good, I suppose, for four weeks' work. But as a major actor who was doing pretty well for himself, it's quite, you know, it's not very, very much. It's also money. a
0: tenth of his budget on just yeah. the one actor. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, yeah, shit. fucking hell.
2: <laughs> yeah, but he thought it was really important to get him, and he its a really great performance. Um, but because of that, he also had to give a film debut to the other main character, uh, Laurie Strode, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, who at the time was only nineteen years old. So that's this is her very first film that she was ever in was, was wow. this movie, Halloween. Yeah. Now, the budget was so small that the actors actually wore their own clothes to set. <laughs> no, they didn't. Yeah, they did. Look, this is what I mean, though. It's,
0: it's £300,000 enough to get people fucking clothes. What well, are you talking about? Uh,
2: well, you say that, but they wore their own clothes to set because they blew almost the entire budget on this single camera that they used to film the movie. So they had to buy these cameras were relatively new. It was almost like on a gimbal, it would take steady shots even though they were moving around. And um he thought it was really important to have that camera based on the type of shots that he was using. So yeah, most of the actors wore their own clothes, maybe slightly modified by, I don't know, probably one costume designer like chopped some holes in it.
1: So did Nick Castle just have that weird uh weird mask hanging away <laughs> in his house? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Well, you mentioned the mask. Yeah. Now, that mask is like what one of the most iconic masks and faces mm-hmm. in horror movie history. It was actually bought from a local Hollywood prop store for $1.98. Wow. <laughs> Fucking
1: hell.
2: It was spray painted white. They dyed the hair and they cut slightly bigger eye holes and then we just like, oh, that'll do. And now it's like, yeah, yeah. super iconic. <laughs> Uh, The boiler suit. I don't know. Maybe that was his. (laughs) I, I don't know. Probably could have been. But what about the film itself? That's that's the budget and the production. But what about the film itself? Well, the plot revolves around an escaped mental patient named Michael Myers, who was incarcerated for murdering his babysitting sister with a kitchen knife when he was only six years old. The entire time that he's in prison, he never speaks a word and is under constant supervision by his doctor, Dr. Loomis, who's played by Donald Pleasance, who hopes that Michael will never be released. But 25 years later, he escapes the hospital and goes back to the town that he's from and goes on a rampage murdering teenagers. In particular, he's got a fixation with a babysitter, funnily enough, uh, called Laurie Strode, and that's like his main target. Now, the movie starts out with one of the most powerful openings ever, I think, in in all movies. It's this, like, stalking shot from six-year-old Michael's perspective. We're, like, seeing it through his eyes. And it's really creepy. It's dark. It's full of suspense. And we walk through the house of Michael's eyes as he's staring at his sister, like, through the window and stuff and creeping around through the back into the kitchen. He pulls the knife out. And through this whole scene, it's like five minutes long, the opening scene, only one word is uttered. And that's his sister screaming, Michael, as he plunges the knife straight into her. So there's no noise whatsoever. The only noise that we have is the amazing, like, theme title song of Halloween, which, funnily enough, was actually composed entirely by John Carpenter because Mm -hmm. he wrote directed the movie and did all of the music
0: fucking hell yeah it's pretty
2: impressive you don't get that any any like at all nowadays even if you do spend like half a billion on a a movie
0: (laughs) (laughs) they just get off like one of those like free youtube audio libraries yeah exactly
2: Uh, it's, it's truly unnerving and is actually one of the first and most well done stalking shots uh, through the eyes of the killer in film. And it would be copied and replicated in basically every single slasher movie ever. Like every Friday the 13th movie, there's a shot of Yora's Jason through some bushes. It all came from this opening sequence in Halloween.
0: Hang on. Is Jason, is he the same guy as in Friday the 13th? That is the serial killer in Friday the 13th. But what about the who's the one who's who's the one in Michael Myers? Oh
1: shit! It's different people. Yeah, of course. I've been
0: totally imagining the wrong film for the last. Like, no. I was like, oh yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> wrong film you're fucking cancelled from this conversation yeah how can you (laughs) do you
0: you know what though speaking of being cancelled I was about to say
3: oh no this is such a i am I'm gonna
0: gonna do this early so that I can go back and cut this out if it's not if it's not okay but I do feel like horror movies are like the last place where you can just be like it's just a fucking loony isn't it like you couldn't do that
1: anymore they are but you're gonna get cancelled because you didn't know the difference between Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees.
2: Yeah, they're two very <laughs> they're, they're different people. <laughs>
0: oh,
1: they're just two nutters, mate. They're well, no, the same no, 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 no,
2: no. Because Jason Voorhees is not a, no. a nutter, as you said. He's a zombie. Mm-hmm. Is he? Yeah, he's yep. a little boy drowned in the river and like, comes back to life. He's and, not like, a little boy. He's
1: fucking massive.
2: He dies as a little boy. And yeah. He, and he like, grows up he as a zombie. He dies as a kid. Yeah. yeah.
1: But that's what I like about Mike Myers versus Jason is that I think in Halloween... He's so much scarier to me than Jason because I think you never know why he's doing what he's doing. Mm, I think too often, especially now with like modern horror, they're so obsessed with, like, showing you everything, over-explaining, like, so much exposition. And it's just, like, it makes it not scary. And I think, like, the subtlety of a good horror film is, like, to not tell you everything, to leave the mystery of the protagonist, if if you want to call him the protagonist in it, yeah. Um, rather than Laurie. But it's, like... I think the the lack of information you have about him, the lack of information, the lack of understanding you have about why he's doing what he's doing, the total mystery is what makes him so terrifying to me.
2: I agree with that. Absolutely. Like He never speaks a word in the whole entire film. He doesn't say one yeah. single word. And it's like he is just, like he's just a mentally ill person and you have no idea why he's doing this. Like the parents that know Dr. Loomis, Donald Pleasant's character, doesn't know why he's doing this. They just... They just know that he is dangerous. And that is, like you said, yeah, it's it's really scary. Now, the rest of the film is filled with, like, all super eerie and amazing, like, filmmaking techniques. And because of the low budget, there isn't really an emphasis on, like, gore and stuff. There's not a huge amount of blood, which is, like, a major trope in slasher movies going forward. Like, a big part of why the Friday the 13th movies and, like, Nightmare on Elm Street movies I loved so much is, like the craziness of the kills like oh what's what's he gonna do is he mm. gonna like turn into a dragon and, like bite his head off or whatever well in halloween it's a lot more subtle a lot more real and a lot more scary like you said it's brutal yeah which is why i really really like it like i like both i quite like sitting down and watching something crazy and ridiculous but if you want like something that's actually atmospheric halloween like does it like no other slasher movie really and michael is just the most like insanely creepy and imposing figure throughout the whole film like I said, he never says a word. He moves incredibly slowly, but with like so much strength and menace. He's like, a, he's like a rhino, but just walking through everything. And Carpenter said that the only direction he gave the actor was to move from mark to mark without actually acting. Just move slowly, don't act, and just be menacing. And it works perfectly. He's just terrifying, like so terrifying.
3: Wasn't Michael Myers played by like four different actors in that film, including John Carpenter
2: in one shot? Yeah, it was played by a couple of different guys, depending on like whether they needed like a shot of his height or him like throwing something. They would get like, like I can't remember what their names are, but they're like a bigger actor and then they're like a couple of smaller guys. Yeah, they would dress uh, yeah. up a few different people in the costume. Now, the movie comes to a climax when Michael is chasing and trying to kill Laurie through the house. She fights back and she manages to unmask him for a moment before Dr. Loomis comes in loomis shoots michael in the head and the chest a few times i think like five times he gets shot and he stumbles and he falls off the second floor balcony onto the floor now the final shot is dr loomis looking over the balcony and what he sees nobody michael has just vanished he's gone laurie is like sobbing in the corner And Dr. Loomis just looks like he's so nonchalant. He's completely unsurprised as if he knew that if this like just pure cold hearted killer ever got out, it would never be stopped. And he knows that that's why he's just he's just gone. It's it's a really, really good ending and a great cliffhanger. I could literally talk about this film in particular forever. There's so much that I've missed out. I actually wrote a 3,000-word essay in college about why this movie is so good <laughs> as part of my media studies like coursework because Halloween is just amazing. And to go back to budget, Halloween was a major box office success. $300,000 it took to make, but it took $70 million at the box office.
3: Jesus.
2: I'm not very good at maths, but that's pretty good. <laughs> that's quite a lot. <laughs> Back in set 1978, especially, for a horror movie, which always do really badly at the box office. That's amazing. It was revolutionary, it revolutionized horror, and it kick-started the slasher movie genre, making it easily one of the most popular horror genres through the 80s and the 90s, especially. Every horror movie that came out in that time was a, some kind of slasher movie, or mm. Friday the 13th sequel, probably. And it helped lay the blueprint for how to do it. The impact this movie had, it's really hard to quantify. It's its just massive. Uh, and we probably wouldn't have Freddy or Jason without it. It's scary. It's dark. It's unnerving. And genuinely, it's a complete masterpiece in just standard filmmaking. It's widely regarded as one of the best horror movies ever made. And in my opinion, it's the GOAT. That's it. Very nice. I like it. Like I said, I just love that film so much. I can't, like, just from a filmmaking perspective, it's such a good, like, just watch that and then you know how to make a low-budget film. That looks amazing.
1: Uh, Yeah, no, absolutely.
2: I absolutely adore any film
3: that has a shoestring budget. Mm. like i just mm-hmm. there's something about it that's just so endearing and just you know like i could do that i could just get me yeah. and my mates with like our you phones. could get
0: 300 grand and yeah. yeah we could just not just start a patreon it'll be fine
1: i think it also <laughs> forces filmmakers to be more um creative when they have less yeah, budget. i sure. think it stops them relying on the visual effects and and you know i hear what you're saying absolutely michael about like Obviously, there's the fun side of it when you want to watch something that's just got a lot of effects to it, maybe like gory kills and stuff like that. There's a reason there's like 17 million Final Destinations... But I think when you are a director and you're forced to do A, obviously you're talking about 70s films. So I love I love films that like practical effects anyway, much more than CGI. CGI blood is just never going to compare to practical blood. Um, But I think you're forced to work with what you have and be much more creative. And I think that the fact that a film like this has held up for so long and is still being talked about on a show like this shows, you know, F- three what was it 300 grand that's 300 crazy grand,
0: yeah, that's it's crazy, crazy. What's yeah. that? it's like ne- necessity is the mother of invention you're kind of forced mm. to like work your way out yeah. of a problem when you don't have the money you have to like yeah. really think yeah. about it it's the same as jaws like when i we did the the greatest movie monsters like the reason you never see jaws is because he looks like shit
1: exactly but yeah. that's what makes it scary yeah yeah. Exactly. Jaws, jaws and yet that yeah.
0: jaws jaws the shark. Um <laughs> yeah. and yet that's what makes him genuinely really scary is because yeah. you don't see him so that they, you have to think about it. Whereas when you know, when you've just got half a billion, you can just kind of yeah. do what you want. It, yeah. it, you you know, think you can show what you want. It
1: and i think like i know this isn't the film we were talking about and it's also not the film i'm going to talk about but like the blair witch the original blair witch Mm. like the reason that it is one of my favorite films ever um but it's not the one i'm talking about today um is because it's so subtle you never see the witch you never see anything ludicrous about like uh, this this scary pointy woman down in the basement you never see that you just see the guy standing in the corner at the end of the film and you don't know if it's a serial killer if it's just he's gone crazy because they've been lost in the woods or if it's because there's actually a, a supernatural witch down there and Mm. then I think you look at the the remake that came out a couple of years ago and my god it is awful it's just like they show this like monster running around like chasing them through this house and you're just like it's because you have too much money and you don't understand the subtlety The mm. art of subtlety. And that's why The Blair Witch is such a great film. And that's why Halloween is such a great film. And I think it's just, it's a real shame that we don't see subtlety like that very much anymore in horror films. Because that is what makes them great. For certain. So yes, I I, I take your points, but I think I have a better film. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so I think that might land nicely, transition nicely into maybe Saru. Do you want to go next?
1: Sure. Sounds good. Okay. Ready when you are. I'm ready. All right. I do think I have a better one. Obviously, the name of the podcast is um, Goats, and I think it's this one, because I'm sticking in the 70s, and I'm going for The Exorcist.
2: Nice. Yeah, I did think about doing The Exorcist. The
1: reason I'm going for this, I genuinely, genuinely think that The Exorcist, 1974 The Exorcist, is the greatest horror film of all time. Because it is genuinely boundary pushing. Mm. It was genre changing. And Michael, your points about Halloween, you know, that it really uh, allowed the space for other slasher movies to come in in the future. 100% true. But The Exorcist was also culturally transformational it affected the lives of people who had never even seen The Exorcist. And I think that the legacy it holds, therefore, is just so all encompassing. And I think for me, it comes down to first and foremost, if you're going to talk about like, what makes the greatest horror film is what you think horror is meant to do in the first place. Obviously, on a very surface level, you can say that horror movies are there to scare you. Um, Yes, of course. But I also think that they're meant to challenge you. They're meant to challenge us. And I also think more than any other genre, um, apart from maybe sci-fi, but I would also say that that's also quite niche, um, more to do with technology, I would say that horror more than any other film, uh, any other genre, if you watch a horror film from a certain era, you can tell that it is reflective of the biggest fears of that particular era, yeah. of those particular people. Horror movies so like accurately reflect back um, the population's biggest fears, because that's what it's meant to do. It's meant to tap Mm. into that and exploit those fears. And really importantly, I think it's meant to push the envelope and push boundaries in terms of what's acceptable. And, you know, there's not dramas that are doing that. Maybe you could argue that comedies are, but I don't think that anyone can get away with being as edgy or as boundary pushing as horror needs to be and and should be and i think often that's why you know uh it gets disregarded and like you said michael at the start like it is seen as a bit of a a bit of a not a joke category but a category in film that isn't taken as seriously as i'm guessing all four of us wish that it was Uh, for example like hereditary came out and what an amazing film that came out a few years ago and like i went to go watch it my mistake i shouldn't have but i went to go watch it in a cine world on a saturday night and it was packed theater but people clearly misunderstood what this film was going to be about and then or what the vibe was going to be and at the end the guy who had spent the entire time sighing in front of me stood up and went well that was shit and i was like oh it's because you (laughs) just want to watch paranormal activity 17 like that's what you wanted and this was a genuinely great horror film it's it's
3: really funny because um a lot of people I know who've watched Hereditary and think it's a great film, they they don't really call it a horror. And I think that's really strange. No. It doesn't follow all the exact tropes of like your slashes, for example, and therefore yep. it's not a horror. But I think that's completely mis you know, gu uh interpreting yes. the point of horror, to be honest. Yeah.
2: I think there's a very fine line between some thrillers and horrors, isn't there, as well? I think.
1: Oh, yeah. And I'd say Hereditary spends very much like The Exorcist, the first three quarters of the film being a drama, being mm-hmm. like, a, in, in the case of Hereditary, it's very much like a, um, an exploration of grief. I mean, I yeah. know we're not here to talk about Hereditary, because it's not my film choice. But like, when the thing happens in the film, that is the most shocking thing that's like happens, right in like the first, the first act of the film. The the reactions from the characters, the raw emotion, the the way in which Tony Collette like processes those, she should have won an Oscar for that, but no one's gonna give her an Oscar because it was a horror film.
2: Yeah. Horror films always do really badly at like everything. It's oh, such a shame because they're such absolutely. good films most of the time.
1: I feel like the
0: best you can do with a horror is like try and pose it as a thriller and then people yeah. might not might not like a yeah. film like Seven, which is not my pick, but I think is a really, really yeah. good like Mm-hmm. horror adjacent, like I think it yeah. probably is horror. It has like horror themes in for it. For sure, for sure. Yeah. But but like that was definitely posed as like a thriller because otherwise how would you get Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman to do it?
2: Yeah. You wouldn't well yeah, yeah that's true. The other thing they do is they just make paranormal activity to like jump scare people and then yeah, everyone yeah, gets yeah, a big uh, kick out of that and it's a it's a terrible movie. Yeah. It's just it's not a horror. It's just going, wow of course you're gonna scare people and then that makes no, loads of money it's just the loud office because people just get like a kick out of it. But it's rubbish horror.
0: What's that quote? It's like a, a, a jump scare is the equivalent of a stand-up comedian tickling people. Probably, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like it's, exactly like, it's, like, it's like, a it's, like, but yeah. it's, not, it's not horror. Yeah, yeah I totally agree.
2: Sense.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think too much horror now is just based on jump scares that lead nowhere, yeah. that mean nothing. Uh, it's cheap. And the sad thing is that audiences love that. And, um, you know, whatever it is, I think while we say what we say about, like, the awards ceremony is not... R- you know, respecting horror in the way that they should. Um, the one thing we can say is that currently, obviously we all know that cinemas are struggling massively. People are just not going yeah. to cinema anymore, not even just because of COVID, but prices, just generally the experience. Um, but the the only things that do well are big budget action films um, like, you know, the latest Tom Cruise Mission Impossible or a big superhero film or horror. Horror is the only genre that does consistently well in the cinema. People will go mm. watch any old horror that gets put out, um, but still not respected. Though I would say my film of choice did win an Oscar, so there we go. Did it? I didn't know that. uh, Uh, Yes, it did it did The Exorcist actually got nominated for multiple categories um everything from best actors to like cinematography to um soundtrack everything um I don't know the the awards categories because I couldn't give less of a share about the Oscars but it did win <laughs> one and um, I think that that says again a lot for the cultural impact that this film had So I'm not actually going to do a blow-by-blow of the entire thing. I'll do a very quick, like, plot synopsis. But I think most Mm. people listening Mm. will have watched The Exorcist. If not, I really implore you to go do it. So it's, of course, based on the, um, in my opinion, fantastic novel by William Peter Blatty. If people haven't read the novel, oh, my God, read the novel. I actually read the novel before I watched the film. And it is such a good, 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 good book. Mm. And uh, William Peter Blatty was actually very, very, like... um, possessive over his story as well you know he should be um so he actually wrote the script for the exorcist himself and he produced it and he picked william friedkin to be the director and he said it was the only director that he would allow to direct the exorcist and if he wasn't interested in doing it it wasn't going to get made so very particular man and thankfully it did get made If anyone has seen The Exorcist, you'll know that there were no major stars really drawn Mm. into the film. Mm. Um, I believe the original choices to play the mum in The Exorcist were Audrey Hepburn, or Jane Fonda? What? <laughs> I know. I know. I know. That would be mad. <laughs> do you know what, actually? Full respect to Audrey, because she said, yes, I love it. I love really? the script. I want to do this. But she was in Rome filming some other things when The Exorcist would have to be filmed. So she said, come to Rome, film it here, and I will be in it. But... Obviously William Peter Blatty being very particular over this script yeah. the script is not based in Rome <laughs> he is like absolutely not it's got to be based where it's based and um, and you know yeah. the the original view he has of it the original the staircase everything the house these are all things that he specifically based the story around so he was like we're yeah. not moving it to a completely different city a completely different country so she turned it down and Jane Fonda was like this is absolutely horrendous <laughs> shit and I wouldn't come anywhere near this so she turned them down so <laughs> <laughs> so they ended up getting um, quite, I think, what works well for them, a cast of people that were never really known actors before. And I yeah. think that can always work well because it stops people being taken out of the movie by seeing somebody like Audrey Hepburn yeah. playing the mum, for example. I agree. For sure. Yeah. And it, the film, okay, it did get a bigger budget. I got 12 million. Um, still massive. Made, but
3: it's pretty modest yeah no it's
1: still modest absolutely it actually ended up grossing quite a lot but we'll get to that in a sec but it, it only had 12 million to be made and um warner brothers actually lost faith with it pretty quickly uh there were a lot of production issues including things like the set catching on fire and um, there were a lot oh, wow. of injuries suffered by the cast members and um, so if anyone's oh, yeah. seen it um the scene where the mum gets pulled backwards when she's like <laughs> yeah. dealing with um, her 12 year old daughter, Reagan, in the fits of like a demonic possession. And she falls backward and she looks like she hits her head and her back and she screams. <laughs> that was real. That was real. That they really, <laughs> really? fucked it Jesus up Christ. because <laughs> apparently did she, they like, did break
3: her back or something.
1: She really got very, very badly injured because she was strapped up to like a uh, a thing to pull her back, like a harness, like
2: a
3: rig. And yeah. um,
1: apparently they'd run the scene again and again and again. And uh, Blatty just wasn't happy with how it was looking, and nor was Friedkin. And so then apparently they told the guy who was operating the rig let her have it and so they pull her back and she hits and they're like that's it we got it we got the shot (laughs) um and they kept it in and they kept it in
2: you have to suffer for your art
1: (laughs) exactly well you know um if it's a choice on your part then maybe that's more uh, acceptable but (laughs) yeah, (laughs) i mean there's a reason it was the 70s
2: like when gandalf hits his head at bilbo's house it's like just have to leave it in. It's so good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Precisely, um, and the the woman who does the voice of uh, Pazuzu the demon the worst name demon ever but please don't let yeah. that detract from how genuinely terrifying it is um actually was a recovering alcoholic and having to do the voice over and over and over again of the demon actually drove her back into becoming an al- uh, like an really? active that's alcoholic so, um, wow. so just Jesus. ruined a lot of lives ruined yeah, a lot of lives horrible. and um
2: this is a
3: great yeah. film. And
1: my favorite <laughs> slash worst fact about it is that there is a real life serial killer in the film that they didn't know he was a serial killer at the time. But he really? was an active serial killer when he's in the film. So the doctor who is doing the tests on 12 yeah. year old Reagan, he is a serial killer who was killing men during the time that he was in that film. And he was called the trash bag killer.
2: What? Oh my days! Yes. That is mad. That's Bonkers. insane. It's like the whole film, the production, everything is like possessed and horror. Yeah. Wow!
3: It
1: is. It's it's through and through. It's there. Um. So he was killing gay men, chopping them up, and leaving them in bin bags around the city. So, yeah, he's Standard. in there. So that's fun. <laughs> exactly. That's <crazy>. <laughs> <laughs> so I think like. Although I'm not going to do a blow-by-blow blow. if we do a rough synopsis of the film. Obviously, the idea is that 12-year-old um, Reagan she gets um, possessed. Or I think that's also the interesting thing about The Exorcist. A lot of exorcism films that have come out in the many, many, many years since, mm. um, a lot of them tend to play on the thing of like, is it really possession or is it mental illness or is it something mm. else? Like what's going on? In The Exorcist, although the characters in the story are not immediately convinced that it's a demonic entity, which I think is is a part of the great thing about it. We as the audience are meant to know that it is kind of a demonic thing right from the get-go. Yeah. And I think that the film... Is pretty fucked up like you have a child a 12 year old child in it masturbating bloodily with a crucifix pushing her mum's face into her downstairs screaming lick me lick me like there is no way you can tell me even in today <laughs> today's yeah. time that that isn't shocking it's still shocking imagine what the audiences in 1974 were thinking mm. and also just generally this girl who's like horribly like goes from being this kind of angelic face child into being this like horribly haggard demonic possessed thing screaming sexual profanities at a priest is still pretty outrageous Mm. I would argue but although Warner Brothers lost faith with it they didn't even give it a major release can you believe The Exorcist did not have a major release because they were so not convinced that this film was a good idea they watched it at the end and they were like what the fuck are we allowed to be made (laughs) and they were like no way but when it came out, audiences were falling all over themselves to watch it. This film then got a major release after audiences were like clambering to get seats to watch this film. And I think like the film itself, to me, very much like Hereditary, is more of a drama for the first three quarters. It's really mm. about the, the crisis of faith of this priest um, who is thinking about leaving the church because he's losing his beliefs in, um, in God and what have you. And also, it's about probably this kind of impending fear of like, maybe an overdependence on science and technology, because the mum absolutely doesn't think it's anything demonic. She takes Reagan, her daughter, as all of us would to a doctor. Yeah. She wants a scientific answer. She wants a medical answer, but nobody is able to give her this answer. And when they can't, they're just like, well, we don't know. And um, I think that there is something in there about maybe not being overly dependent on either side, like on your faith or on science and technology, because no one side has all of the answers you need for all of your problems. Um, And I also think from the mum's point of view, she is just completely unable to help her child who's going through the most horrendous thing that could possibly be happening. And I think that also speaks to that kind of... Uh, fear, parental fear that people would have been going through at that time. The other thing that makes The Exorcist incredibly, incredibly powerful is that before The Exorcist came out, the Ouija board was just a Hasbro toy. It was just a toy that people had in their house. It was a parlor game that families played together called like, it was like a spirit board, that's what it was called. But that movie changed things completely. And it turned what had been a toy that was made by Hasbro into a genuine tool of of the demonic um, and yeah. it became a board that could like truly open a portal to hell <laughs> and i am a skeptic through and through but even i wouldn't want to play with a ouija board in my house even though i know logically it's not real mm. and also the other thing with the exorcist is that you can literally trace the roots of the satanic panic phenomenon in the US all the way back to the release of this movie. It kickstarted everything. And it led to decades and decades of like this nationwide paranoia where people genuinely now believed that the devil was this real thing that could be living next door um, in anybody, even a 12 year old child. And it left dozens of children, hundreds of children traumatized and countless adults genuinely in prison for not only crimes that they didn't commit, but for satanic crimes that had never even happened. Some of those people are still in prison today. How many films have a legacy like that? I think that this... The legacy of The Exorcist goes beyond just horror films. It goes into like the wider world. And I think that's why. And I also think that the ending of the film is so satisfying because again, how many horror films, we all like horror films, how many horror films have genuinely satisfying endings? Not many of them. But I think the ending of the horror film here where Damien the priest gets the demon to take over him and leave 12-year-old Reagan behind. Mm. And then he throws himself down a flight of stairs in order to kill himself and kill the demon or get rid of mm. the demon with him. And I think it makes me sad when some people I see misinterpret that ending and think that it has something to do with the demon winning because it kills Damon Karras. But yeah. that's not how I see it at all. I think it's, um, a man who was, uh, losing his faith, regaining his faith, seeing Pazuzu for what it was, believing Reagan and that she was possessed and atoning. Um, for him not being able to help his mother, which is like a whole nother side plot going on in the film. And finally, the only thing I will say about this, because I'm pretty sure I've run out of time, is (laughs) Tubular Bells. Tubular Bells. Uh, Tubular Bells is an iconic, iconic, iconic piece of music. And this is my favourite stuff about this. It was Virgin Records' first big hit. Did anyone Mm. know that? So Tubular Bells, owned by Virgin records and it was their first ever big big hit after the exorcist came out completely iconic and the thing i love about this the most is tubular bells is in there for like it's like a couple of bars it's like a Mm. couple of bars is played in the exorcist and it's not even when anything scary is happening it's when the mum is running down the street nothing Mm. scary is happening tubular bells plays but that has so like deeply like embedded itself into people's psyche that today even if you've never seen the exorcist you know what that that music is about and i would just say i love this film i think the overarching like cultural impact that it had everything that it like did for the horror genre and the fact that it won an oscar even though i don't care about oscars i think (laughs) um speaks for itself and i think it is the greatest horror movie of all time
0: Wow! Incredible. Thank you very much.
2: That was incredible. I love that film. Seb, you've never seen The Exorcist, have you?
0: No, I've never seen any of these films. Yeah, <laughs> the only film I've seen oh. is the one that I've picked. You're,
2: you're not a big horror buff, are, are you? But I hope this episode changes no. your mind because, like, all your favourite movies are like The Avengers, which are like pointless and meaningless and carbon copies of themselves. But <laughs> like this, this podcast, hopefully, us talking about these so like amazing upon. films will hopefully change your mind because, yeah. like, The Exorcist is literally just like groundbreaking. Like that's why people were Uh clamoring to like the cinema to see it because it's the only genre in film probably like you said that can do things that break boundaries like make people think holy shit like can I actually just see like a 12 year old demon doing that stuff it's like yeah you can like it's shocking and it's supposed to make you make you shocked for like all different films for various different reasons so Seb you need to start watching these movies mate.
0: Yeah, I know, I do. I know, I do. I just, like, I just haven't. No, no one cares about the now. Avengers.
2: Get on to these films.
0: <laughs> <laughs> people, lots of people care about the Avengers. Yeah, but they're wrong.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're also
0: children. But we'll move on. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because is wasn't The Exorcist re-released in like 2005 in cinemas because it's yeah. so it was so yeah. scary and it's still so scary to this yeah. day that it, it, they could get away scary. with re-releasing it and people were like, "This is Absolutely. still scary."
1: Yeah. I think they remastered it and re-released it and like yeah. digital Blu- Blu-ray and stuff. And it is just a film that I think absolutely... Because I'll, I'll, I'll take the point that I think maybe a film like Blair Witch, if you showed it to an audience of like 22-year-olds now, I don't think they would find it scary because I think so much of it has to do with like the the conversations, the subtlety. I don't know if people have got the patience for that now. Um, But I think The Exorcist, even if you showed that to a 20-year-old today, yeah. I I would be shocked if they weren't scared they or at least scared, shocked yeah. by what was happening
2: mm. yeah the exorcist and um the blair witch project were like the only films that actually scared me when i watched them as an adult yes like they genuinely yeah. Yeah. terrified yeah. Yeah, me yeah, as yeah. an adult yeah because i don't get scared by Absolutely. films very often it's like those two and then like 90 i think it's like 1953's war of the world's that really scared me as a kid. Like I couldn't go okay. to the bathroom for ages because there's a bit oh, of an alien yeah. in there. And yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. "Nah." Oh, yeah, I'm be honestly. I'll say
1: it. I watched Blair Witch like a few years ago. Rewatched it, and yeah. I was genuinely terrified. Like actually scared. It um, is no, really no.
2: scary. Yeah. Mm. It so have you seen it? Yeah. But again,
1: it's because they don't
0: show you anything. <laughs> you know I haven't seen it. Don't ask <laughs> me, <it>. you're just <laughs> setting me it's up for like failure. Oh cinema. <laughs> Look, all I can say is, right, from my perspective, you love all these films and these characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Imagine if you watched characters. all the- Characters. Characters.
2: No, don't say Avengers, <laughs> no, but wait, like all wait, the baddies.
0: Wait, 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 wait. Imagine you watch them over like a ten-year span, and then after ten years, they're like, right. We're gonna get them all in the same film and they're gonna fight Thanos. Sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. I'm sure. not gonna win this, am I? No, <laughs> oh, no,
2: they did have Freddy versus Jason, which is a not a very good horror they did. movie. But it's a pretty fun I love movie. Maybe fun you could movie. say
1: Alien yeah. vs. Predator. Maybe you could say that. Alien
2: mm. vs. Predator is really yeah. good, yeah. They're really fun yeah. movies. I like watching them because they're like really enjoyable and fun, but they're not like yeah. they're not like super good horror movies, even though they're no. in that category, so yeah. I don't
0: even know if Predator... It, it, would you say Predator's a horror? Because I've seen Predators. More of an
2: action, so I I'd say
1: Alien is, but yeah. Predator is, is more of an action yeah. Alien yeah. is a horror alien movie. Alien definitely is, yeah. yeah.
2: Not not Alien 2 or... Uh, sorry, Aliens. That's not aliens, a horror I wouldn't yeah. say that's a horror. Yeah. That's like an... That, that, I've watched all of them. Action, I absolutely but, yeah. love the Aliens. Yeah. Do you I actually, love the Alien know franchise. That. Me and Vinny love oh Aliens. God. When we were younger, we made like a video series of us reviewing them. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah let's <laughs> yeah. dig that, let's got dig that. that. I, they're, they're
1: I think alien might be my favorite my favorite horror franchise to be honest really? i think. yeah
3: i love it it's a good horror franchise
0: i'll say it once i've said it again nothing beats the predator franchise when in like predator 3 uh the predator decides that people with autism are the next step in evolution <laughs> and therefore stops killing them <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, ain't wrong, though. You ain't wrong.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, dear. Right, V-Dog, middle bit? Got a middle bit. So we got a quiz. So each question has kind of been tailored towards each of you, because I know Sebek's not huge into horror films, so his ones are... A... Avengers-themed. Uh... <laughs> a little bit easier. Mork's ones are a bit harder, because I know he loves them. I kind of went slightly down the middle with you, Saru, because I, I had no real idea. Good. But, um... <laughs> How it's going to work is I'll ask the question and then if you just want to answer straight off and if you get it right, it's two points. But if you get it wrong, it's zero points. Move move on to the next question. But if you don't want to answer straight off and you want to have a little bit of help, I have multiple choices. But you'll only get one point if you choose the multiple choices. Okay. Cool. So, Sebek. Yes. Which horror film, Sebek, did the actor johnny depp get his debut start in
0: even i know this edward scissorhands uh.
3: no that's not a horror film
0: <laughs> yeah it is he's got yes. scissors on his hands. Right, zero <laughs> points
3: <laughs> it was nightmare on elm street it's nightmare on elm street
2: <laughs> edward scissorhands <laughs> Good He's got scissors this on is his This is so hands embarrassing. Hands.
0: This is the worst this could have gone for me. I've just been called out. I can't use any of my... I can't just regurgitate pop culture to get me through. I absolutely don't know anything about horror <laughs> Well,
2: this is going to be great Beautiful. for us.
0: Oh, fuck.
2: Saru. Mm. Which
3: Steven Spielberg film... Now, his name is just attached to it. It's not like... It, he might have directed it, might have just been an executive producer, but he was involved... Which Steven Spielberg film was considered cursed, with several actors supposedly dying because they were in the film?
1: Oh. Yeah, I'm gonna go multiple choices, because I don't I I feel like I remember hearing this, but I don't know which one, but I'm hoping if you tell me some choices it might trigger something.
3: Okay, so arachnophobia, the Omen, or poltergeist?
1: I think it's Poltergeist. Is
3: that your final answer? Yeah. You'd be correct. It is Poltergeist. Yes. yes. Yeah. Good. I think it's like four cast members died.
1: Oh, wow.
3: I think it's the little girl who is like the sort of main character in it, I guess. Uh, she died when she was like 12. Um, yeah. And I think that's the movie where they used actual corpses in one scene they didn't tell the actor and she was like in a swimming pool with loads of these corpses yeah yeah they use actual like skeletons real life skeletons
0: you can't do that
3: no it's pretty fucked up in it (laughs) 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 right mork yeah many consider 1922's north feratu to be the first film adaptation of bram stoker's dracula yeah but for copyright reasons, the filmmakers had to change the name of the vampire to what name? Um, Count Olaf? You're going to go for it? Count Olas? Oh, Olaf, I said. <laughs> okay, not, neither, of those, neither of those are right.
2: <laughs> what was his name? <laughs> oh. or, Orlock. Orlock. So you were close. So, oh,
3: it was you so were close. You close. Oh, God but damn it. That's I I, really thought I knew it, yeah. Right, back to you, Sebak. Yes. Can I get a point on the board? <laughs> I believe in you. I believe in you. I don't know if I do. 1976's The Omen follows the story of a child who is said to be the devil's own son. What is the name of that child in the movie?
0: Oh my god. Come on, Seb. We just did a case where the, the one of the killers got called this at school because they said he looked like him. I was called it as a child once. Oh, fuck.
3: Oh, God. You can have the multiple choices if you want.
0: Yeah, do the multiple choices. I just need a point on the board.
3: So, your choices are... Damon, Damien, or David. (laughs) It's Damien. Okay, yeah, you got it, Damien. Shit!
0: I knew that. It was in my lizard brain and it (laughs) wouldn't come out.
3: Saru, the script for the horror classic Halloween never called for a specific type of mask for Michael Myers to use. But the mask that was chosen was a replica of a famous actor's face. Which actor was it? Oh,
1: is it William Shatner?
3: It is William Shatner, yeah. yes! Yes! yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Three, uh, Did you three, know three.
0: that in a similar thing, you know, in have you seen Baby Driver, uh, the film? Yeah. You know that... at one point they're wearing masks that are like michael myers masks yeah but then michael myers is in the guy who played austin powers not as in the the and that was a genuine accident Uh they sent a guy they sent like a runner off to get (laughs) get michael myers masks on the day of the shoot and he came back with like austin powers ones and they were like oh Oh. (laughs) (laughs) so funny and they just had to go with it Yeah.
2: yeah i had to admit my william shatner Star Trek mask fact for this quiz. Vinny was like, Oh, you can't say it because it's a question.
3: Yeah. I was like, God damn it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh.
2: Mork. Yes.
3: Psycho, The Silence of the Lambs, and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre are all iconic horror movies. Yeah. But they were all inspired by the same real life serial killer. Who was that serial killer?
2: Oh. I'm going to have to go multiple choice because I feel like if you say the name of it, I might get it. Whereas I don't know off the top of my head. So your choices are Ted Bundy, Ed Gein, or John Wayne Gacy. I think it's Ed Gein. You are correct. It is Ed yes. Gein. Because of the cannibalism thing, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. He, like, he like sewed people up and stuff, didn't he? Like oh, made a proper made furniture yeah. of like skin. Yeah.
3: Yeah. He's
0: like the murderer's murderer. Like he's like he's real like, bad. He's
2: like the OG,
3: isn't he? He's like yeah. Favourite murderer's favourite murderer. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, exactly. He's your favourite
2: murderer's <laughs> favorite murderer. <laughs> the, MF Doom, the, murderers. the MF Doom of murderers. <laughs> <as well.
0: Yeah. laughs> so stupid. Sebek. Yes.
3: What is the highest grossing horror film of all time?
0: Do you mean horror franchise or horror, horror film? Films,
3: single film. Fuck.
0: Sure you don't mean horror franchise because <laughs> I could probably do that <laughs> No, nah, sure. do um do um do multiple choice. I, I can't pull that out of the back. So your
3: choices are The Exorcist, The Sixth Sense, or It.
0: I don't know, but my thinking is it came out the most recently. Is this is this adjusted for inflation or is this straight up money?
3: Uh, inflation.
0: Oh fuck. Oh, that was my one. What was the options? The Exorcist, The Sixth Sense, or It? Mm-hmm. For some reason, my head's saying The Sixth Sense. You would have been
3: correct if this was 2016. But unfortunately, it's It. Which really, oh, that really surprised me, to be honest. Yeah, really, that
2: uh... surprised me as well, to be fair. I, I would have yeah. said The Exorcist, to be honest, but... yeah. Bruce, <laughs> Bruce Willis was, yeah. yeah. Saru.
3: How many feature-length Friday the 13th films are there? Ooh.
1: There are 12
3: Wow, two points to you. Yeah, I was going (laughs) to say 12. (laughs)
1: That's insane. Just straight off the puns.
3: Oh, my Lord. She's absolutely running away with this one, not going to lie, lads. Yeah, because there were two more
2: after Jason X, which would be the 10th one, where he goes to space, isn't it? Yeah. 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 They're making a new one, which is going to be the 13th, and it's going to be like a pure reboot of the series, I'm pretty sure. Another reboot? Jesus Christ. Yeah, like another, another reboot. They just haven't
1: got any ideas anymore.
2: I know,
3: no. just, just do just another leave reboot. It. <laughs> Why not? Mork, yeah. your final question. I need a big tour here to beat, to beat Seb. Many horror films have extremely cheap budgets so that in the rare case they do blow up, they become insanely profitable. Mm-hmm. But what
2: is the most profitable horror film ever? Right.
0: Yeah, I also think I know.
2: Give me a multiple choice because I'll still beat Seb with one point. <laughs>
3: Paranormal Activity, The Blair Witch Project, or Jaws? Oh, it's got to be The Blair Witch Project, surely. I'm going to go with The Blair Witch Project. Again, you would have been correct if this was like 10 years ago. But it's paranormal activity. Oh, for God,
1: paranormal activity is shit. It's just people in a house with a handheld camera and a sheet. That's insane. I didn't know that. It's three
3: times less the budget of the Blair Witch Project, which actually shocked me. It it made 85,000%
2: of its budget.
0: Jeez. Fuck me. Yeah,
2: Yeah, it is really, I guess it's just like four people in a house and that's it there's nothing camera. going
0: on did-
2: yeah damn it and everybody loved it god damn it that's so true
0: yeah do you know what i did hear this recently though do you know matt damon the actor Yeah. Hmm? he is recorded as the actor who turned down the most money from any film because he unknowingly he was asked to be in the original avatar and he said no and they said we'll give you 10 percent of box office revenue Uh, and he said no Wow! and he would have been like a billionaire oh yeah but he just just said no damn Mm. wow what a fool what a fool yeah
3: um so actually the scores are really close so i'm gonna have to do a tiebreaker so um you're all just gonna buzz in with an answer first come first serve your answer is what you what you get uh but if we go around and you guys haven't got it then we'll just we'll keep going until we get it i believe in you guys we can get this. Cool. So, what is the highest rated horror film on IMDb? Is it it? Not it. So that you're out for this round.
1: Shit.
2: It's not Halloween, is it? Because no, that's like 8.2. Halloween's your answer. It's not Halloween. Damn it. True. Oh,
1: God. I don't know. Everyone has such horrible taste. <laughs> um, The highest rated horror film. I also think it's confusing Like, what's actually being called a horror film. Um, this is
3: definitely a horror film
1: it's definitely a horror film mm-hmm. okay oh, okay i'm gonna go rosemary's baby
0: nope do you want to go around again yeah. <laughs> oh god you know i always make this joke but i do feel like mark in that episode of peep show when they're doing the band names <laughs> and all he can say is like and the the Beatles, Beatles. Yeah. i'm just i'm just like uh <laughs> the extra, i'm just all that's in my head is the three that we've already mentioned that's all that's in my head
1: have we mentioned it? Can you give us a clue? Have we mentioned it in this episode?
3: In this podcast, we have definitely mentioned it. Yeah. The Exorcist. Nope. Fuck. The Sixth Sense. It's not the Sixth Sense, Saru.
1: Oh God. It's not Hereditary. Nope. No. No.
2: It's not Jaws. Is <laughs> not it Jaws? Jaws. Jaws, 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 the shark. Jaws. The shark. Here he comes. He's gonna bite you.
3: Not Jaws. Oh, Go fuck. on. Wasn't too long ago when we mentioned this. Alien. Yes, it's Alien. Alien. Can you
2: imagine? Of course.
3: Can you imagine? I just got the
1: point. There you go. Of course, it's Alien. Oh well. Okay. Two points for
3: that. So, I got two points. Got two points for that. So, this this was a really close one. So, Mork ended with one point. (laughs) (laughs) Sebek comes close. By three points, and Saru wins it all with five points.
0: Fucking well done, hell. Hey. Jesus! Well played, well played.
3: <laughs> right, um, I think that leaves Sedek. That leaves you, just me, yeah. just Seb. with
0: my deep knowledge of horror films <laughs> to wow you all with something completely unexpected. Can't wait. A film that you've never even fucking <laughs> heard oh of. God. Can you imagine?
3: Spider Man? No,
0: it's not that. Um, are we ready, V Dog? Do we have a timer? I'm ready. Right. As I've already said, every horror film I've ever watched has been against my will. I've watched three. I've watched...
1: <laughs> oh, I made you watch once, sir. <laughs> That's one of the three. <laughs> watched seven, yeah.
0: which we've already said might not even be a horror film. We watched Deep House when we were on tour. It's the worst film ever. Worst film ever. Okay, so I've listed two of the three films I've watched. And I, I want to say that of the three films... This is the one I hated watching the most and therefore is the scariest. I hated watching it. I hated writing about it. And I'm going to really unenjoy talking about it. Um, I can deal with gore. Gore's fine. I can deal with jump scares even. But psychological horror really fucks with my head. Mm -hmm. And I do think, you know, I'm I'm an oversharer. We all know that. I do think this is probably (laughs) because when I was a kid... Things like spooky spirits and like good or bad vibes in a house or something were very real. Like if I was like oh, I got a bad feeling in here, my mum or dad would have been like, "It's probably a ghost." <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, <laughs> like for real. So, and as much as I've over the years trained myself not to think that way, it creeps back in like that. Yeah, just a heartbeat and it's back. Oh dear. So, with not Odin, <laughs> it's
2: fine. So, with it's that funny. in mind. they're probably just fucking with you. They're probably just
0: like, I'll just tell him it's a ghost. Oh, no, they weren't. They were not fucking with me. My dad still goes ghost hunting now. So let's just put that... Oh, yeah. We've been musing the idea of a red-handed featuring my dad ghost hunt for about three years. (laughs) Um, Anyway, with that in mind, it's probably not much of a mystery which film I've chosen. The film only has a few acts of on-screen violence and yet is two hours and 26 minutes of skin-crawling terror, I am, of course, talking about Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Mm. The Shining was released in 1980 and was the movie adaptation of the Stephen King novel by the same name. Um, Interestingly, despite being widely regarded as one of the greatest pieces of cinema now, it actually released to a lukewarm at best reception. It underperformed massively at the box office and was slated by reviewers. Reviewers hated it.
1: So did Stephen King, didn't he? Mm, Uh, Yeah, mm.
0: on top of that, Stephen King, the original writer, felt that it didn't have the heart of the original. He felt that it was a film, in his own quotes, designed to hurt people. And to be honest with you, I think he was probably right. Um, I can 100% see why this film did not do well, because it's not fun. It's not a fun mm. film to watch, and it's not designed yeah. to be fun. If you imagine a film like the like the Alien franchise is a perfect thing. You go to a, a movie theater in the eighties, you know you're on a date or something. You go to watch the Alien. You know maybe it's a good excuse to hold hands or something like that. <laughs> imagine you then like oh second date let's go to the cinema again let's go watch the Shining. Yeah. Absolute disaster. Yeah. It's it's an absolute <laughs> cockblock of a film. It's awful. <laughs> really bad no one has ever got frisky to the shining it's never happened it's never not once no one has had nah. anything happen at the back of the cinema to the shining yeah,
2: no. it's free no it yeah, just doesn't it hard. just it,
0: yeah it would never happen it's a mutually exclusive thing it just wouldn't take place and you know i think this is partly because if you ask someone like stanley kubrick to make a movie mm. he hits the brief dead on If you tell him to make a war film, he makes Full Metal Jacket, widely regarded to be a very accurate and unpleasant depiction of war. If you ask him to make a sci-fi, he makes 2001 Space Odyssey. Mm. Fucking incredible. And if you say to him, make a horror movie, he says... All right, then, hold my beer. And he comes back with one of the most uncomfortable pieces of cinema in history. It's awful. It's not Mm. fun, and it's not designed to be fun. I thought it was fun. You thought The Shining was fun. (laughs) Okay, well... (laughs) But I like
2: horror, so... Yeah. What about his... um, I don't know What about his... If you ask him to make a space movie, didn't he just make the moon landing? Oh! uh, Is it room
3: 278 or whatever?
2: No. (laughs)
0: So anyway, enough context. What exactly is it about this that makes it so no one is getting frisky at the back of the cinema? Well, firstly, the plot itself. The film is about Jack Torrance and his wife, Wendy, and their son, Danny. And none of the characters are overtly likeable. Jack is a struggling writer who takes on the role of the winter caretaker of the remote Overlook Hotel nestled deep in the Rocky Mountains, bringing his family with him. And when they arrive, the last guests and staff are leaving the hotel for winter and they the snow's coming in and they're just going to become more and more isolated. And before they leave, Danny, the young son, speaks to the hotel's head chef who tells him that he and Danny share a telepathic ability known as shining, one which the hotel also shares because of its troubled past. Now that troubled past is quite deeply layered, but the, the top layer is that the last winter caretaker went mental and killed his family. Um, it also then becomes apparent that it was built on an ancient American burial ground. There's all sorts of layers to like why the hotel's so fucked up, but the point is, the hotel has bad vibes. And once everyone else is left, and the snow and isolation sets in it very quickly appears that history is going to repeat itself. And Jack slowly starts to lose his mind as various semi-ghostly figures begin to influence his decision. Now, I'm not going to give you a blow-by-blow of the rest of the plot or ruin the ending, um, so I'll just leave that there. Because to be honest with you, I don't know if it's the plot that makes The Shining so uncomfortable to watch. In fact, there was a 1997 remake the three-part made-for-TV series by Stephen Mm. King, which is essentially the same plot, and even I could watch it because it is so much less scary Mm. because it takes all of the uncomfortableness out of the film. What makes this film scary is the way it was shot. Firstly, the actors, um, normally in horror movies, especially those of the time, they would cast lead actors that were conventionally good-looking and allowed people to empathise and even sort of imagine themselves as the character because they're likeable, they're fun, they're attractive. And so we go, oh yeah, I could be them. I could be that attractive guy running around a house. No one looks at Jack Nicholson and thinks that. They're all difficult to watch. And this was a conscious decision. And it feels harsh to single her out, but we have to because it was a conscious decision. Shelley Duvall, who plays Wendy is one of the most genuinely strange-looking people I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and, and, that's, and I know that's not nice to say, but that was a conscious decision by the casting team to do that. And they're made even more strange by the way the film is shot. So, obviously, they picked actors who weren't that conventionally good-looking, and then they used... Film techniques to create a really uncanny vibe, and the most sort of common and the one that runs through the whole film is that Kubrick shot almost the entire film. I think there's about three shots that weren't shot on the same super wide 18 millimeter lens, and what that does is when you get a lens that wide you get like a fisheye effect as you get closer to it. So they're designed to shoot huge panoramas and get the whole thing in. But as you get closer, it starts to distort your face. And that is why Shelly Duvall looks that bizarre. Because she doesn't in real life. She actually just mm. looks like a normal person. But in that film she looks odd. And she has that thing where her teeth seem to like kind of come out like Melina from Mortal Kombat. Mm. And that is because she's getting so close to the camera that the actual lens is like bowing her appearance. And they also, the actors act super strangely. They don't react to things in the film the way that they're supposed to. You know, for instance, there's that really iconic scene where Jack Nicholson is talking to his son about how he'll never hurt him because his son says, would you ever hurt me? And that film was shot... So many times. And in the first few takes, Nicholson was genuinely reassuring. And then after 40, 50, 60 takes, he just started to go weird and just starts to react really differently to how you would. Like, Michael, you're a dad. If your son said, Would you ever hurt me? You'd be like, No, obviously not.
2: Yeah, yeah, you'd be super genuine. But
0: if you shoot that scene that many times, the reactions become more and more bizarre. And that was a deliberate decision also a very expensive decision at that time mm. because obviously film was like super expensive mm. um but that that idea of the shining being deliberately uncomfortable runs through the whole film the soundtrack is like nails on a chalkboard it's the opposite of getting a, a number 1 for virgin it's it's horrible no one would go out of their way to listen to the soundtrack of the shining mm. it's not even really got a musical score it's just like odd noises Played over some sort of ry- rhythmic, like heartbeat. It's really uncomfortable. And that coupled with like even the ghosts of the hotel, if you watch the Stephen King straight to TV one, they're done to look like ghosts. They're all pasty and white. They look creepy. They've got that like effect where you can sort of half see through them. The ones in Stanley Kubrick's, they just look like people. Yeah. And that's so much more terrifying because you know that there's no one else supposed to be in that hotel. So the fact that there's a bartender is odd enough. You don't need to make him see through because he's not (laughs) supposed to be there. So it's just weird and creepy. And what I think makes The Shining so scary is that there is no single moment of terror. You know, there is that really, obviously, there's the iconic moment where he puts the axe through the door. Here's Johnny! But that isn't what makes it scary. What makes it scary is that it's just two and a half hours of real skin-crawling unpleasantness Mm -hmm. interspersed with grotesque and frightening visuals and this sort of deep evaluation of the human condition that is just a little bit too close to the mark to be enjoyable. You know, Jack Nicholson's character is not a mental patient. He's just a struggling father who's an alcoholic who beats his son, It's too close to reality, and that's it's not a fun watch. And I'll end by saying I don't think The Shining is a conventional horror film. There is actually very little in it that is slasher-esque or horror-esque, but it is a horrifying film, Mm. and that is why I believe it's the greatest horror film of all time.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a horror film.
0: It is, but it's not conventionally horrifying. It's not a slasher. It doesn't have, like... A monster or anything no. like that, and I think as well. Like I watched a, a review of it, and I I totally agree with this guy's description, which is that the way that the hotel is set up is like the hotel itself is the monster, mm. and that the ghosts are kind of just like tendrils. They're just like yeah. different appearances, different ways that the hotel pushes you over the edge. Yeah, you know, it's all one and the same, and you really feel like they're working against. Jack Nicholson's mm. character to, like, push him over the edge. Definitely. You know, the bartender keeps offering him a drink until he takes it. And that that is a big part of why he yeah. goes wrong. And I also think the final thing that I'd say, which I think adds to it, is that there's... It's called, like, a two-beat rule where every time the characters in The Shining see something, they see it for two beats longer than you do. So, for instance, when Shelley Duvall's character sees that Danny's written murder on the door she stares at it for two beats and your heart races waiting to know what she's seen mm. and then the reveal is so much more impactful yeah. i feel like so many horror films just show the like ing, 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 and it's all right in front of you it's the same when she's rummaging through the papers and it just says you know all work no play and all that You wouldn't know that that was frightening until you saw her reaction to it. Because if you just saw her flick through those, you'd be like, oh, that's a bit weird. But seeing her reaction, seeing that she now understands that her husband has lost it, is way more frightening. And then the reveal, oh, this is why, is way more interesting. But yeah, that's why I think it's the greatest film of all time. Greatest film of all time? Wow. (laughs) Sorry, the greatest horror (laughs) film of all time. The greatest horror film of all time. Yeah.
3: (laughs) I I absolutely love The Shining. Um, I've only seen it once, like years and years ago. Yeah. Um, but I remember really, really liking it. It is, it is a fascinating film. There's so much to uncover with it. There's like how like I've watched videos talking about how like the the house itself doesn't make sense, like the mansion or the the hotel rather. Like the, there's there's doors that basically if you if you see from another shot the doors don't go anywhere like mm, there's there's, yeah. there's rooms that make no sense and like, That's alley, like the alley.
2: whole point isn't
3: it yeah, yeah,
0: I think like as well i I think it's one of the reasons that there's so many like conspiracies and so much analysis of it is that it is a film that you come away from, like, why would you make that? <laughs> it's not a particularly fun it's not an enjoyable cinema experience so i think people look for more in it because it's like well why would you do that to yourself like why would you go through making that it's not fun it's not exciting it's kind of just it is two and a half hours of not much enjoyment it's very powerful and i think like you know there's people who say it's like an admission of the moon landings or an allegory for the holocaust and all this stuff and it's like are people just looking for more, yeah, because it's so unpleasant. Yeah, they
2: just—I just think like with horror, a lot of the time they just—it's just to—it's just, to just to challenge you. That's all it is. It's just make it. I think *Sonic* is probably trying to make it like as uncomfortable as possible. Just—it's almost like a social experiment, isn't it? Like, what can people bear? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm.
1: I'll say shining. Unfortunately, I don't like the shining. Oh, I feel like you don't it's like a film it. I should like. It's I feel like if you just describe what the shining is, I feel like it's a film I should like. I love isolation horror. I love the the synopsis of the film. But I just don't I don't like it. I don't mm. enjoy it. And I take your point that it's not maybe meant to be enjoyable, but I don't know. It falls flat for me somewhere and I don't know why
0: is that not because as a horror film fan it's the only one that really scares you no,
1: it's really know. in your head
0: you genuinely I've only watched don't it once. enjoy it You're no, there, i just
1: didn't get it it felt too disjointed i get what it was saying but i didn't i didn't yeah. enjoy it i didn't enjoy it so no i'm
2: shocked i i actually feel the same about a clockwork orange
1: really?
2: i actually don't really like that ah. film i'm like i i kind of again exactly the same. maybe it's Stanley kubrick i'm like i don't get it like it's good to a point, but there's points of it where I'm like, I I kind of not really getting this at the moment. Like I, I feel sucked out of the film because I'm trying to figure it out so much. Maybe it's the same sort of thing. I don't really know. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't really enjoy A Clockwork Orange that much.
3: Wow. Yeah, Stanley Kubrick makes some really strange films. I think all the films he makes are just, yeah, they have this sort of uncanniness about them. Yeah. It's hard to grasp. I think that's also why a lot of his films are very conspiracy theorist-esque.
0: That and because he made the moon landing, so it's probably... <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, especially that film. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, that leaves me to crown a winner. And I have to say, I hate all three of you so much because <laughs> all three films, like, I would not bat an eyelid if I, like, read an article that was like, this is the best horror film of all time and I saw either of these three films as i would be like yeah that Mm -hmm. makes sense i can i can get by with that so i hate all of you for making me make this decision because i love all these three films so much um halloween i'd say i'd say it's the best halloween film it's my favorite halloween film i always try and make an effort every halloween to watch halloween because Mm -hmm. it it has everything like spookiness and like the great soundtrack and I love that shoestring budget and but also it's set, you know, in October, it's set on Halloween. So it has all like the autumn yeah. leaves that are all like around the floor and everything and it feels very Octobery, Halloweeny, you know. Has that lovely atmosphere. And then the Exorcist Honestly, if I were to pick an answer for this, I would have just said the Exorcist as well, because I think the fact that The Exorcist is the first, and I don't know, if is it the only horror film to ever get an award, like an Oscar? Nope. I, and the fact that it was re-released, re-released in, in cinemas like years later, I think that speaks volumes for how still scary a film from the 70s is. And then obviously The Shining is just terrifying all throughout. It's it's extremely suspenseful. It's like you're you're watching a pot boil... And it's just sort of very slowly boiling. You're like, what's what's happening here? It's it's something's rising. The tensions are rising all throughout the film up until Jack Nicholson's character just goes mad and just starts hacking away at a door.
0: I actually think if I was going to criticize it in any way, I think that it's one of those films where the build up is so heavy that it's almost difficult for it to pay off. I kind of think that when he does lose it. You're kind of like, oh, it's just a man with an axe on a door. Like, it's not enough because you've built this thing for so long yeah. that, like, where do you go from there?
3: Yeah, I can buy that. I can buy that. But yeah, OK, I've made my decision. I don't like the decision. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to have to crown the greatest horror film of all time as The Exorcist oh i'm sorry it's the second time i guess decision thank you guys yeah i think i think it's literally got everything it's got like uh the movie itself is cursed it like made ridiculous amounts of money it like impacted reality with like the people being actually genuinely terrified of satanism because of the film and that was obviously a big thing like the 70s Mm -hmm. and 80s wasn't it yeah and that soundtrack as well is just, it's just fantastic. And the atmosphere as well. It's just dripping with that lovely horror atmosphere.
1: Correct decision. Now all
0: <laughs> we
2: have to do is get Seb to watch it. Yeah.
0: I oh, know, I was going to say, I'm going to have to fucking watch it now, I? Beautiful. For
1: <laughs> <Amazing>. God's <laughs> sake.
0: <laughs> Couldn't we just set The Shining and then I wouldn't have had no, to, watch, you've got to it. watch it? now. <laughs> no, you do. I'll watch a YouTube breakdown by someone who's watched it and then okay. I'll just... We'll need to watch Fine. Freddy Got Fingered that, as well. That's good enough.
2: Oh, you need to watch Freddy Got Fingered. I'm not,
0: or, yeah. I'm not watching Freddy Got Fingered. I can't believe you even bore
2: that
1: up. I'm very glad to have won, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. That's my right. film. It was the right decision.
0: Thank you so much for <laughs> coming yeah, on, you. through. Thank you for, for no, sparing problem. your time to come and go back to being absolutely. a bedroom podcast.
1: <laughs> very, very, very happy to be on. Um, thank you, guys, for having me on. And, yeah, I'm going to go have dinner now because I'm absolutely starving
3: enjoy dinner no worries thank you thank very you much very cheers much. guys
1: thank you see you soon
0: bye bye thank bye you
1: bye guys bye bye